Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, welcome to the No Neutral Moments podcast. Um, as many of you know who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, we're getting ready to go on a YouTube channel. And so we're back to the old school uh, thing here, although this might be on our YouTube channel as well. Got a phone call the other day from my good friends at China Aid, and they said, hey, we got this guy that uh, he claims to be a basketball player. And um, and we just want to know if you want to sit down and talk to this guy. And many of you have already heard his name, uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom. And maybe you've heard about him because you watched the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Yep. And then who else did you play for? Ooh, I got drafted by Utah Jazz. Okay. You know, then Oklahoma City Thunder got traded to New York Knicks. Oh. Uh, then Portland Trailblazers, then Boston Celtics. Favorite venue to play basketball in? God. I gotta go with the garden. I was gonna Imagine, say, yeah, you, have you cannot to go be, garden. cannot beat the garden, man. You have to go garden. You can't beat the garden. But it's so small. I mean, it's not just that. It's like, I mean, it is the most famous arena in the world. And you see all the celebrities coming to the game. Oh, yeah. And I, I promise you, at one point, I was stopped, I stopped watching the game. And I was like, okay, which celebrity came to our game tonight? You know, one night you see Shakira. The next <laughs> night you see like Ben Stiller, yeah. Tracy Morgan. You see Ronaldo, Jimmy Fallon. So you see all the celebrities and actors and singers and rappers. I was like... This is interesting. And they all come in to watch you play basketball. Spike Lee. He's Spike there. Lee. I mean, he's like. He's a regular. Yeah, he's, he's not a, even he's a, a regular celebrity now. there anymore. He's, he is a, a he's a diehard fan, man. Every time he comes, he just, he yells, he screams. He actually like, he's like, he's like part of the team now. You know, he was part of the team. <laughs> okay. So we're just, we're just diving right in. We're just going to have a conversation here. No rules, no boundaries. Mm-hmm. Worst fan base to play in front of. Oh. Good question. Let I mean, me... Utah is pretty rowdy, but you were drafted Utah was by tough. Them. I mean, Utah. So I played against the the, the, the Jazz many years. Um, they are tough fans. Like they will scream at you, yell at you. <laughs> they will. I mean, they're good people. That's the one thing that I don't understand. That they're like very peaceful people. I mean, Mormons are one of the most peaceful people. On, yeah, yeah. On in America, but we're talking sports. But here, baby. once they step into that <laughs> arena. I don't know what gets into them. They just go crazy. Yeah. Um, I'll say Utah, Golden State is tough. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Golden State is just, they crowd is tough. Um, yeah, I'll probably just go with that too. Okay, now where, you said you got drafted. Where did you go to college? Kentucky. You went to Kentucky, yeah, went okay. To Kentucky. It was Who a was the coach time. then? Coach Cal. Calipari. Okay, Calipari. He yep. is ruthless, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I like him a lot. He is, he helped me so much. Yeah. With everything. With everything. Yeah. Is it still called the Rupp Arena? Yeah. I think so. I'm not really sure. About that yeah. I'm trying to think if they changed your name or not. But Beautiful part of the country. Yeah. It's amazing. I used to live in Louisville. Unbelievable. It's just. That was especially like, it's a, one of the biggest basketball program in the nation. Oh, so once you're like a basketball player in that, in that city, then like, you can barely walk. Yeah. You're royalty. So the college experience was pretty nice. I bet it was. Pretty interesting, yeah. Where, did you finish college or were you drafted? No, I only went there one year. You went one year and then you're out. One year, then I got drafted. Where did you grow up? Uh, Turkey. 
in Turkey. Yeah. Okay, what was that like? Uh, it was it was beautiful, interesting, yeah. lovely country, a lot of history, a lot of good people, good food, yeah. amazing culture. I uh, came here when I was 17 years old. I was... Uh, so that was for basketball? Basketball. Well, you know, in Turkey, it's so hard to get your education and play basketball. You have to pick one. Okay. So, I mean, my dad wanted me to get my education and play basketball at the same time. So that's why I came to America. Okay. When did you know you were good at basketball? I mean, from the moment I pick up the ball. Really? Yeah. How old were you? Remember? I I actually started very late. I was started like when I was fourteen years old. Okay. I wanted to be a soccer player. Right. As the biggest. I okay. Mean, the uh, fact that you just said soccer <laughs> tells me you've lived in the states long enough because you yeah. should have said football. Football. Well, I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> um, I still don't understand why Americans call it football because <laughs> football. And, yeah. But anyway, I'll just go with it. But. Uh, but no, I mean, I, it was the number one sport in Europe, so yeah, I wanted absolutely. to be a soccer player. You still follow football? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah? You got a team? Liverpool. Liverpool. I, like, I just met a lady yesterday from London. Oh, yeah? And and I asked her, I said, okay, you live in Houston now. I said, but I got to ask you, who's your team? And she goes, Man U. And I'm like, so Manchester oh. United? She's like, yes. And she goes, my dad told me when I moved to London, when I moved from London to Houston, mm-hmm. he didn't care who I married, but it could not be a Liverpool fan. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, it, it's like there are some couple places in Europe. It's just it gets really crazy that the yeah. the fans are really fanatic, like Turkey, England, and that's why. Like when I came here for the first time, I was like, our fans sitting next to the the teams that we're playing against. Yeah. I'm like, and they like, and there's no any kind of like fight and there's no people like people are not dying you know there's <laughs> That's no not like, happening in- i know i was shocked because i'm used to like when i was playing in europe i'm used to like people are every like rivalry there is at least a couple people were dying <laughs> yeah it's it's dying. Sounds, like dying. dying oh my goodness you know you're not allowed to like in that city you're not allowed to wear those colors because you're gonna get hit or you're gonna get like someone someone Lit gonna up. knife you sh- <laughs> I promise you, it sounds crazy, but yeah, that it's, is it's crazy. Right yeah. So you said Ronaldo, yeah, has been at your games. You, you like watching him play? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm talking about. Okay, let me let's talk about soccer. I'm talking about first Ronaldo, okay. like the guy who's from Brazil, yes, uh, and actually made soccer famous all around the world. Right, right. So I'm talking about him. Yeah, uh, and we were just that. The, everyone on that team was just was shocked. Amazing. Yeah. I just love watching European football mm-hmm. because the fans, there's no, I don't, college football doesn't even compare to it. No. It, because Not of the even. cheers and the chants yeah. and the, the I don't, it's just, it's, it's there's, there's something coursing through it that's just amazing. It's like, it becomes like a religion. Oh yeah, no For doubt. many people. No doubt. You know, they, like here, when we lose, right, our fans goes back home happy you know you can bring your kids yeah to games you can actually have popcorn and a hot dog and a drink and you, and you enjoy the game yeah you know it's like going to a movie or a yeah you know it's entertainment but in europe it's not like that you're not you can't really bring any kids <laughs> like under 16 70 you cannot bring it's very dangerous for the kids um because when when his team loses, any team loses, their fans just start burning cars on the street, start 
like <laughs> destroying small businesses and takes that. It, it, it can get very ugly. I remember I was like, how old was I? I think I was like 16. And my mom was saying like during like the soccer matches, do not go outside because there are a lot of drunk people and oh, yeah. you don't know what they're going to do. Wow. Yeah. So you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. I got two brothers and one sister. Okay. Where do, where are they? Uh, sister back in Turkey and then my two brothers in America. In America. Okay. Yeah. Are they athletes? They play? What, what? Uh, the One of them play basketball. Other okay. one is still young, going to school. But uh, the one that plays basketball played basketball in Japan last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's talk a few more sports and then we'll dive into Perfect. things that matter most in life. But uh, most memorable college game. You're only there one year, so yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, every game against Tennessee. Oh yeah. Every, every game against Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. I'm trying to think. It was just. It was like a war. Yeah. You know. I think like the. It's once once like, got into NBA. The fans like. It got boring yeah. because, like, you don't you don't see the fans going out and getting like crazy. college. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the college is like obviously still interesting. Yeah. Um, so every game against Tennessee or Louisville was wild. So you go to the NBA. Um, I have a friend who played, you know, great high school athlete. Mm-hmm. Then he went and played four years as a college football uh, quarterback. Then he went to the pros. And I asked him, I said, okay, when you went from high school to college, how much did the game change? And he said, well, you know, it changed a little bit, but he goes, the real change is when I got to the pros. And mm-hmm. he said, yeah. and then there was no such thing as a guy, like in college, there's some great athletes, but none yes. of them are going to go exactly. to the NFL. But he said, when you get to the NFL, it's wall to wall, five star. Exactly. Everyone is good. And that's what he said. Yeah. He goes, it's just, there is no weakness. Is that what you discovered? Yes, 100%. You know, in, in college or high school, even like you can be the best player. Yeah. The whole nation can talk about you. But once you get into NBA, you're like, boom, everyone is good. Everyone can shoot the ball. Everyone can dunk. Everyone can uh, block the shot. Every, everybody can score. Almost everybody can defend and stuff. So it's like, how like this is different. I gotta actually like work. Yeah, you know, I gotta put some work in the talent. The talent will get you through, you know, college and right. and high school. But once you get into MBA, talent is just not enough. You it's a it's a margin of it's a small margin yeah. of excellence to exactly. be even that much better. Yep. Um, most memorable NBA game? I got two more NBA questions. Um, I think my most memorable, I was playing for Portland and we were, it was playoffs. We were playing against Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm -hmm. And when Damian Lillard hit Mm -hmm. that crazy three over Paul George and we won this series and the whole world was going crazy. I think it was the craziest shot I've ever seen in my life. Um, because it was between the three point shot and a half court. Yeah. It was, it was wild and it was a step back too. Um, <laughs> so I think that game was the most memorable game. Wow. Um, <clears throat> the player you played against that you thought that's not a human being. I mean, first time I got in a league, I played against Kobe. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I grew up as a Lakers fan. Yeah. And my first regular season game was against Lakers, against Kobe at Staples Center. So I remember the game started and then I was coming off, off the bench. And then I remember my coach called my name. was like, let's go. I promise you, I got up and my knees were shaking because my first game ever. Anyway, so I got in the game and one of my teammates shot the ball and he missed it. I got the offensive rebound and they fouled me. 
So I'm in a free throw line. I'm dribbling a ball like the whole 20,000 people at Staples Center, boom. And Kobe's over there waiting for me to shoot the ball. You got like Andrew Bynum and Paul Gasol and Lamar Odom and Derek Fisher. These are like, oh, yeah. like almost Hall of Famers. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, oh, my God. So I shot my first free throw. My hands are shaking, missed it. And everybody's like laughing yeah, oh, and yeah. chanting and stuff. My second one, I'm like, dude, I got to get used to this. So I shot the ball. I made it. I was like, I better get used to it because this is going to be my life from now on. Kobe ended up scoring, I believe, 40 points that game. And we lost by 30 points. So that was like my welcome to the NBA moment. And he was <clears> just <throat> the, the mamba. Yeah. Yeah. So I think his mentality and his love and passion for the game was just uh, a next level. Did you ever get to, you know, just shake his hand, meet him and just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So th- there was another event happened before I got into NBA and Kobe actually came to Turkey and that's the first time I met oh, him wow. and stuff. And he was like a really like nice person. Yeah. And then once I got in the league, the first game, he sh- he shook my hand. I was like, hey, what's up? I was like, well, yeah. he remembers me. Yeah. But then, and then after that, we started playing basketball and it was... It was amazing. So you're you're in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, your name exemplifies what you're all about. Mm-hmm. How did this come about? How did this conviction about freedom? How did this concentration on what's happening in China? Where did this come from? Mm-hmm. How did this bubble up inside of you? So I talk about the problems that were happening in my home country, Turkey. I mean, because it's another dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I the last 10 years. And that led Turkish government to put my dad in jail. Um, you know, they put a bounty on my head, actually. And my name is on Interpol list. And I have a 12 arrest warning for me, just coming from a Turkish government. And I talk about the corruption scandals and all the human rights violations and political prisoners over there. Um, so I I was focusing on Turkey for the last 10 years because my family's stuck there. I haven't seen them for 10 years now. We try to bring them over here and stuff. Um, just two summers ago, I was, I was doing a basketball camp in New York. And after the basketball camp, we had an amazing camp. And after the basketball camp, all the kids just lined up in front of me. And they were ch- taking pictures, and yeah, I was giving, giving them our autograph and stuff. And I remember I took a picture with this kid, and his parents called me out in front of everybody and said, how can you call yourself a human rights activist when your Muslim brothers and sisters are getting tortured and raped every day in concentration camp in China? And he said in front of everybody, kids were there, the media, my friends, some of the other people. And I was just shocked. And I'm still smiling for the camera. So I took a picture with this kid. Kid, I turned around and I was like, I promise I'm going to get back to you. So I went back to my hotel. I started to study about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, on internet, you don't know yeah. what to believe or which what is true or not. Right. It could be a fake news. It could be because I never really, I was keep hearing about the Uyghurs, but I really never focused on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know enough. And once you see like, oh, there are two, three million people in concentration camps, I didn't want to believe it because I was like, if there was, if there's a genocide happening, if there is two, three million people are in concentration camps, why is no one talking about it? So I didn't kind of believe it. Yeah. And I was like, I think the best way to learn what's going on is f- actually find a concentration camp survivor. Anyway, so I called my manager. I was like, I need you to find me a concentration camp survivor. 
And he was shocked. He's like, what are you talking about? He was like, well. Yeah, I can see how that conversation yeah, exactly. is probably headed. So he found me a lady. We sit down. We had a one-hour conversation. And she was telling me about the, how many people are actually in there. And she was telling me about the forced sterilization and, and abortion. And she was telling me about the organ harvesting. And all the, she was telling me about all the torture methods and gang raping and stuff. Um, I just couldn't believe it. At the end of our conversation, I asked her, like, what I, okay, like, you got me. What I do to help you? She said, I'm good. I don't need your help. I was like, what do you mean? So we just had this one-hour conversation for no reason? <laughs> she was like, no. I was like, she said, I'm in America. I live a very good life here. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. Help those two, three million you know, Uyghurs are in concentration camp getting tortured and raped every day. So at that moment, I was like, whatever it takes, I'm going to talk about it. And um, the more I researched, the more I realized not only Uyghurs, but Tibetans, Hong Kongers, Taiwanese people, Mongolians, and Falun Gongs, and the list goes on and on, you know. I was like, and no one talking about it. We got to do something. And that's how I got introduced to China. I can tell you've become a student of it just by the the, mm-hmm. the repetition of the names and the people and the cultures. Mm-hmm. What's the next step you take? I mean, because you, you now they've got you, like yeah. you said, you've got me. I've got to do something, which mm-hmm. says something about your family yeah. to have raised you to have this mentality that mm-hmm. says, I can't just let this go. Yeah. So you've got to wrestle with it for mm-hmm. a while. And then what's the steps you take? So I wanted to do it in a very unique way. Um, I could have just gone on any of the mainstream media or put a video out there or a tweet about it or do an interview with one of the biggest newspaper in the world and stuff. But I was like, none of these is going to inspire kids. I was like, I wanted to do it in a way where I'm going to inspire every sports fan around the world. So when I was a kid, I closed my eyes. I was like, what can I do? I, when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of NBA games. And I remember like the first thing I was watching was the shoes, mm-hmm. what color they are, what brand, if they're comfortable. And the next day I was waking up and telling my dad, please buy those shoes for me. You know, I mean, everyone in the world is like loves shoes. I, I remember you know? my first pair of Air Jordans. Exactly. See, yeah. as a kid, and how old are you? I'm 56. Exactly. I so got my 56. first pair of Air Jordans in 19... 19- 84. So how old were you then? I was a junior in high school. So like what? Like they had just come out. I was like 17 years old. So like it's like almost 40 years and you remember your first shoes. Yeah. So we decided to create this non-slave labor shoes. It was so hard to find. Um, And we reached out to these artists around the world and we put these messages on our shoes. Mm -hmm. And it was non-political. It was... Free Tibet, free Uyghurs, stand with Hong Kong, you know, stand with Taiwan. And there was no rule against it because I remember uh, in 2020 during the Black Lives Matter protests, all the plays were putting on their shoes, Black Lives Matter, um, Breonna Taylor, Black Revolution, George Floyd. I was like, that is your protest and you have a freedom of protest in America. You can do or say whatever you want. So I know now there's no rule against it. So there was no rule against mine either, you know, because mine was non-political. It was 
literally a human rights message. So we created this shoes. Yeah. It was unbelievable. We, I remember my first game, I was playing for Boston Celtics. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Who made the shoe for you? So different artists who's been oppressed by their governments. Yeah. So if you were going to... Um, so what shoe are you wearing? What brand? Exactly. So it was... I don't even know the brand. Okay. It was okay. so hard to find a brand which was had no slave labor. The shoes I was wearing was like... was not a basketball shoes. Because every basketball... Exactly. Every basketball shoes have some kind of like slave labor in it. So I was like, I cannot be a hypocrite. I cannot talk about... Uyghurs and slave and use shoe which is involves slave labor. Right. So we found this like weird and I don't even know I can't even remember the name shoe company that were just making this handmade shoes for it. Okay. Um, so they sent it to us and we reached out to these artists around the world. Yeah. And we started make, creating the shoes. So our first game. I was playing for Boston, Boston Celtics. Celtics. Okay. Our first game was against New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden and their opening night. So every celebrity you can think of in New York. And also the game was like nationally televised oh, yeah. and New York Knicks is like our biggest rivalry. I was like, let's do this. So my first shoe was free Tibet shoes. I put the shoes on. I went out there and started to warm up. And all my, all my teammates were looking at my shoes. Like, this is like a weird looking shoes. Um, so we sang the national anthem. We came uh, in a huddle. It was one minute left before the game. The game hasn't started yet. There was two gentlemen from the NBA that were working for Boston Celtics came to me in a huddle in front of the bench and said, take your shoes off. I was so confused. I'm like, why? They said, well, your shoes has been getting so much attention attention internationally. You got to take him off. It was the perfect moment for me because I became a, in 2021, I became an American citizen. Mm-hmm. So I was like studying really hard for the citizenship test. Yeah. So like I closed my eyes. I was like, okay, there are 27 amendments. My first amendment, freedom of speech. I turned around. I was like, no, I'm not taking them off. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't care. Even if I get fined, I'm not taking them off. They said, we are not talking about a fine. We're talking about getting banned. So what they were threatening me to get banned. Um, I was like, go tell your boss. It was Adam Silver, the commissioner. Yeah. I'm not taking him off. So they left. And so that game, I played zero minutes. The first half. So they essentially get you benched. I played every game before that, but that game. Mm-hmm. So after the, first, after the first half, I went back to my locker room. I checked, I checked my phone. There was thousands of notifications from all over the world. Um, I clicked on the one that my manager sent me. It was a text message. He said, every Celtics game is banned in China. It took them 24 minutes to ban every Celtics game in television. I was like, well, that actually clearly my, helps my case. That shows the dictatorship and censorship. Anyway, so that game, I played zero minutes. Uh, we lost the game. And after the game, it was like this huge media storm. I was literally getting media requests from all over the world. And I told my manager, I was like, decline them all. I don't want to do no media. He said, why? I was like, I don't want my teammate to think I'm doing this for attention. So we declined it all. And after the game, NBA, NBPA called me, which the player association, I give thousands of dollars every month to protect my rights against the NBA. Right, right. They said, you know what you did? 
you cannot wear those shoes ever again. I talk about the problem, problems were happening in Turkey the last 10 years. I did not get one phone call. I talk about the problems were happening in China one night. My phone was ringing once every hour. So they pressured me and my, uh, my manager so much. I was like, you know what? Promise I'm not going to wear free to shoes ever again. They said, promise. I said, promise. So we hang up the phone. So the second game, I wore free Uyghur shoes. So they called me after the game. They said, you're a liar. You lied to us. We can't believe you did that. I was like, I never lied to you. I just said, I'm just not going to wear free Tibet shoes. I've never said I'm not going to wear free Uyghur shoes. So at that moment, they understand that they're not going to be able to make me apologize or took any of my tweet down or just say I was wrong. I wasn't educated enough. After the second game, third game, when I criticized Nike, one of my teammates woke up to me and said, you know, this is your last in NBA, right? You cannot criticize Nike or China and think that you're going to be an NBA ever again. And that's what happened. Okay, what year was that? 2021. 21. Wow. So they, so they basically – tell me how you spoke out against China because you said – just in passing, you said, you said something about China. The what? They, you said you said something about China. What was it that you said about China uh, in the midst of all this? Oh, just I would just keep saying like free all the Uyghurs. Yeah. Um, I was saying that what's happening in Tibet is a cultural genocide. I was saying, you know, stand with Hong Kong. I was saying, you know, leave to Taiwan alone mm-hmm. and many other things. But like it was – the thing is I wanted to do it. I only wanted to talk about the human rights violations right, and right. political prisoners because once you get into politics, then you lose support um, because human rights is above politics yes. because once you get into politics, you lose 50% of the people in America, unfortunately. Um, when I did it, it was the perfect moment because it was right before the Beijing Olympics, the Winter Olympics. Yeah. So I try to reach out to everybody, like forget about the NBA. I try to reach out to NFL, NHL, MLS, MLB. I try to reach out to Olympians. They all said the same thing. They said, listen, man, I think what you're doing is so amazing, so inspirational. Those shoes are the most inspirational shoes that ever got created. Um, keep doing what you're doing. We love you. We support you, but we just cannot do it out loud. I asked them why. They said, well, we have shoe deals, mm-hmm. endorsement deals, jersey sales. We want to get another contract. And I asked them one simple question. I was like, put yourself in their shoes. If your mother, sister, daughter was in those concentration camps getting tortured and raped every day, would you still pick money over your morals, values, and principles? They usually turn around and leave the room. They don't even answer me that. Yeah, they're not going to answer that no. question. What were some of the – I don't want you to betray names, so don't say names. Did you have more and more NBA teammates and players who in private would tell you, we know you're right. Oh, yeah. Like many, almost everyone in the locker room, they were coming up to me and say, listen, man, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you are standing up for the right thing. You're standing up for innocent people. We're not against you, but don't ask us to join you, you know? Yeah. Because I was really pushing them. I was like, listen, dude, this is like a non-political issue. You know, you have have kids. Think about the shoes that you've been wearing, the the t-shirts or like the... The, the sweatpants that you've been wearing is being made by slave kids mm-hmm. between age 6 to 16 who is working 16 hours a day, six times a week in a very horrible and terrible conditions, you know? Yeah. So, like, wake up. Did you ever – did Nike ever reach out to you? They can't – no. 
No, but I mean, I I called out the CEO of Nike. I called out LeBron. You know, yeah. I called out all these players who has been making millions of dollars yeah. by by this you know sponsorships. Yeah. And no answer. No answer. They can't. And what the, what what can they say? I mean, I don't want to educate because they already know. They already know what's going yeah. on. Right. 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 So. When did your manager, I, I'm assuming something, so just correct me. Did your manager at some point say, I think we're done? So my after the third was a fourth game, I think after I criticized Nike, my agent called me. So manager and agent is different. Oh, okay. Agents, agent deals with NBA and the teams, and the manager deals with like sponsorships. Okay. So my agent called me. They said, listen, I work for you, NS. I don't work for the NBA. So I got to be honest with you. If you say another word about China, or Nike, we are not going to get another contract ever again. And uh, all these owners who pretend to care about human rights and social justice and stuff, they don't. All yeah. they care about is money. All they care about is their sponsorship. The The money between NBA and China is around $5 billion. More people watch NBA games in China last year than American population. So... Say that again. More people is the craziest thing. More people watched NBA games in China than American population. Over like four hundred million. You know? So and it's a the the monetary value between the NBA and Nike. What was that number you said? Did you say five billion? Five billion. Five billion. With the B, yep. Between NBA Nike and China. And the NBA. No, not Nike, NBA in China. NBA in China. Yep. Five billion. billion. So there is a guy who comes out and start criticizing that government, China. Yep. And and now all the jersey sales and shoe sales and all the sponsorships, um, TV deals, everything is in big trouble. Mm-hmm. What is NBA going to do? Go Shut you up. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, I am I'm still healthy. I'm, I still work out. I'm still in good shape. You put me out then I'll get a, I'll get you a double double like right now, <laughs> you know? But Everybody knows why I'm still not an NBA. Yeah. So you were essentially blackballed from the NBA. Exactly. Yep. Could you play for an international team? So just because of my names on Interpol list from Turkey, I'm not really allowed to stay in a country more than like pretty much three or four days. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a very difficult situation, man. Very difficult situation. How do you I, make a living? Um, I do a lot of... Speaking engagements, I do lots of uh, different kind of events and stuff. But the support that I get from the from the world, actually, it just it gives me so much hope. Now, everywhere I go, people chant freedom. All the kids know this knows my story. Before, I mean, I, I, I mean, throughout my whole life, I organized a lot of basketball camp, free basketball camp for kids. And they used they used to ask me about, okay, who's better, uh, Kobe or LeBron? Who's the goat? Um, you know, who's the toughest player to guard, who's the best team, blah, 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 whatever. But now I see the whole, every question changed. They said, tell us about what's happening in China. What is, what is an Uyghur? Um, what's happening in Tibet? Um, t- tell us about the war between Russia and Ukraine. Tell us about the women's in Iran. Tell us about what's happening in North Korea. Tell us about Venezuela and Cuba and mm-hmm. Turkey. I was like, wow. Yeah, this is incredible. They're waking up. Are you seeing anything in the younger generation that's willing to say, "Wait a minute, that is wrong"? Yes, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, 
but we are fighting against a whole beast. We are fighting against. So it doesn't matter how much we fight. It doesn't matter how much we put an effort. You know, there is, there's an app like TikTok comes out and pretty much brainwashes everybody. And I, I just still cannot believe how, how is it not banned in America? Right. And government, you know, in government's officials, you're not allowed to download that app. Right. If I mean, if it's against their, against yeah, the you can't be a member of Congress exactly. and have that app. So not even that. There's staffers too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So. We everybody knows that this the China is spying on us, and right now between the 150 to 160 million Americans download that app. When when that Chinese spy balloon was yeah. on, you know, was on the air of yeah. America, and everybody, the whole world was talking about it. They made a huge deal, which, which like they should have, you know. But we have we literally have 150 million spy balloons on our phone, and no one talks about it. No one talks about it. No one talks about it. Even though the people in Washington D.C. know, some yes, some no. But majority says it's Uh, an app. Yeah, you know, it is. What's next for you? Good question. Well, I mean, a lot of people actually wanted me to run for Congress or Senate. And, uh, but right now, the things that I talk about, once I get into politics, unfortunately, because of our country, because of the last three, four years, it's been very divided. So so. divided. I saw a statistic the other day, a survey that said the vast majority of the country is just tired of the divisiveness Mm -hmm. and the pettiness of it. And it's on both sides. It's Democrats, it's Republicans. It doesn't matter. So. The human rights is the only message that is going to bring two sides together because it doesn't matter. You are from the right, left, whoever you vote for, or whatever you do, you have to care about human rights, like I said. So not right now, but I think in 2028, I am thinking about running for Congress. And where do you live? Uh, right now, Washington. Washington. State? No. D.C.? D.C., yeah. Okay. So you'd run in Virginia, probably? Uh No. I'm thinking about somewhere like Florida, yeah. somewhere hot and warm because my whole life I play for <laughs> cold cities, man. You know, Utah, Oklahoma, oh, New yeah. York, Boston, Portland, Kentucky. Okay, now, be, let's be fair to Oklahoma. They have nice yeah. four seasons. I mean, the yeah, winters can you, be bad. Well, the thing is, during the season, it was winter. So we never, because during the off season, we were just traveling all the time. Right. So I never really experienced the summer. Yeah, you're just there in the winter. Exactly. So I want to go somewhere where there is sunshine and there is like... <laughs> You can get 10 and you can get, you know. So I'm thinking about like somewhere in Florida or maybe Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? Yeah. How about got, Texas? Got, what about Texas? Well, why not Texas? Yeah. I, I mean, I got a lot of, there are, there are a lot of Turkish people here actually. Really? A lot of Turkish people. Where do they live? Uh, Houston, Dallas, yeah. San Antonio actually, Austin. I, every time I go to this city, especially like Houston and Dallas, you know, we used to order Turkish food for the whole team. It was unbelievable. I don't know if you ever tried Turkish food before, but if you ever go have a chance to go to like Houston, Dallas, or San Antonio, try try Turkish. What, what would be the staples? What would be the Turkish a dish staples? What would be a dish? It's really close to Greek food. Yeah, some says better. Huh? <laughs> Fighting words, but uh, no, it's like a lot of kebabs and a lot of gyro mm-hmm. and lots of. And I'm sure you heard about the baklava oh, and yeah. stuff for a dessert. So I say it's a really tasty Mediterranean food. I just thought of this. Did you ever wrestle when you were a kid? So 
when I got here, I got into WWE actually. Okay. Yeah. So I <laughs> did. I kind of. I mean, Turkish wrestling is famous. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was asking. But no. But when I come here, I got, I got into WWE, and I actually have a belt. Twenty. I was the former twenty four seven champ. I actually wrestled. There is a video on YouTube. Actually, I actually wrestled um, in Madison Square Garden. Did you really? It was. It was crazy. Yeah. So you you could have a future in the WWE. Well. Can you imagine that? That's whole another problem. Freedom is yeah, here. Exactly. <laughs> that, that that was another problem, actually. I was actually already talking to some people in WWE, and one of the wrestlers called me, then they said, Listen, we know that you like to talk about some of those like dictatorships out there, but you can't talk about anything you want you want. But once you talk about Saudi Arabia, you're mm. not gonna wrestle ever again. I was like, Saudi Arabia? What are you talking about? He said, Yeah, we go there every year, we make millions of dollars. And many times, women are not even allowed to wrestle there. Yeah. You know? They say, well, it's, it's the biggest market for us. You know what's crazy like, well, is things are, things are starting to change in Saudi Arabia yeah, in some respects. I, I, you know, some women are driving now. and They and vote. They, I, think, I think they vote. They, I, it's, I was just listening to this yesterday. Yeah. And there's beginning this new, I think it's KMB, even though he's got some things around him that may not be so good. Uh, there's some freedoms being given. Yeah. There's Women are doing things. So. A lot of the soccer players are going there now, signing this like or golf. Yeah, oh golf, crazy amount of money. Wow. Yeah. So maybe Congress uh, continuing to speak. Uh, do you have a book out or anything like uh, that? Coming up, I think I hope in twenty twenty five. In twenty twenty five. Okay. And is that going to be kind of the story? Yeah, story of how I raised and how I what my background was. Yeah. Um, MBA, China, Turkey, mm-hmm. and many other. Co- Topics. Let me ask you a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up unless there's something you want to talk about. When you say you're on this Interpol list, mm-hmm. describe to the listeners what that means. So many countries actually use Interpol to abuse red notice system. So what, what it means is if you are in a – say Turkey, for example. If you're in Turkey and if you speak, up, speak out against the government, they will label you as a terrorist and put you in jail. And right now, Turkey is not the biggest country in the world, but it's like the, I think they're one of the biggest uh, jailing journalists in the world. Mm. So if you're in Turkey, you're arrested. But if you're outside of the country, what they do is they put your name on Interpol list. It's like an international arrest warrant. List. Oh, wow. So, okay. you, so whichever country you're in, if that country has an extradition deal with Turkey, they have to deport you back to that country. Okay. So... Um, I just, you know, in two years ago, I became an American citizen and now I'm like, I can start traveling. But before that, I couldn't travel for five years Yeah, because they tried to kidnap me in Indonesia and they detained me in Romania. What do you yeah. mean they tried to kidnap you? They, I mean, the whole, the, every, every story is out there. So Turkey is actually working with some of these like, uh, countries out there in the world. Yeah. It, they kidnap people. And they put them in plane, send them back to Turkey, and they become a political prisoner for the rest of their lives. Disappear. Yeah. I mean, so they tried to do the same thing when I was in Indonesia doing a basketball camp. But we got the news early. Boom. We escaped the country. We landed in Romania because I had another event there. And that's where they detained me. I mean, there are videos on all over YouTube or social media. You guys can't go ahead and watch it. But when they detained me, you know, that's when the Homeland Security stepped in and some of the senators then stepped in and pretty much like... I was, you know, took free. Care. Yeah, yeah, free. How, um, it's funny, when I woke up this morning and I was looking at my calendar and saw that we were going to get to spend some time together, mm-hmm. 
and, and I want to just connect this to what people are doing in their daily lives because I pretty much wear a golf shirt every day. <laughs> and I was getting ready to put on a shirt and I literally thought, I wonder where this was made. Yeah. And it was a foot joy shirt. Yeah. And it said made in China. Yes. Same thing happened to me last night. I changed shirts. Yeah. Same thing <laughs> happened to me last night. It was a nail clipper. And I was just like, I was about to cut my nails, which I still didn't cut it. Um, I looked at it, it says made in China. I was like, my goodness. A lot of people are actually, actually asking me this question. They're like, listen, we're not an NBA player. We don't have millions of followers. We don't have the platform that you have. We can't just go on media and talk about what we want to talk about. What do we do? What kind of changes we can make? I was like, it's super easy. When you go out there and you're about to shop and you're about to buy something, right? You pick it up. It says made in China. Put it down. Mm -hmm. That's the least you can do, you know, because many people out there by, you know, making, trying to make this nail clipper or your T-shirt or whatever, or your shoes, Mm -hmm. it's slave kids. Yeah. You know, so that's the least you can do. So let me, let me play devil's advocate. Is there anything I'm doing in quote unquote boycotting these things that, could end up hurting these kids more because then they wouldn't have. I mean, I'm, I don't believe what I'm saying. I'm just, has anybody ever said anything like that? Well, if you don't buy these things, then these people don't even, they'll just kill them. No. Well, that's why we are trying to put like a lot of legislation out there, yeah. a lot of bills out there. So just recently, we actually put a bill out there. It's, it's called Uyghur Force Prevention Act. So the goal of the bill is um, right now there are, 82 big companies. I mean, there are a lot of small of them too, but 82 big companies in the United States use, use, uh, use slave, slave labor. labor. So let me guess. Apple. There Nike. you go. There you go. Uh, I don't know. Give me the list. Even things like Victoria's Secret. Oh yeah. You know, even to like, even like, like, like some of the companies, I mean, it's, it's on the, it's, it's on the internet. It's very easy to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The goal of the bill is if you use any slave labor, you're not allowed to step into America. And that is going to cost these companies and China billions of dollars. It already passed Congress and Senate and President Biden signed it. So it became a law. And when I had a conversation with some of my Uyghur friends, he said already some of these factories are started to move out that Xinjiang area. To countries like Indonesia or Vietnam, so we already seen a fact. Seeing it happen, this, this was made in Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what's crazy is yesterday I'm in a conference about mm-hmm. uh, oil and gas. Okay, and they're talking about how to save the climate. Mm-hmm. They're telling companies you can't do business, you can't sell products in the United States. And Germany is saying Mm -hmm. you can't sell products in Germany without paying a tax on how much uh, damage you've done to the climate in the production of this. Wow, interesting. But what's crazy is there's more media about that than this, than there is about you can't sell your product here if you've used slave labor. Yeah, it's the crazy because you know what breaks my heart is Uyghurs are ethnic Muslim ethnic, group, you know? Yep, yep. So all the Muslim leaders out there aren't saying a word. When it comes to issues like Palestine or Syria, Lebanon, or uh, all this country, yeah. they're the first one to come out and say something. But when it comes to the Uyghur issues, they won't say a word about it because they know that China is going to destroy 
their economy. And not only them, the more I research, the more I realize MBA is not the only one in America. You see uh, Wall Street, academias, big tech, even some Congress and local Congresses. Um, trying to think what else. Um, Hollywood, mm-hmm. MBA, Disney, whatever. They all have big ties to China. To China. Yeah. You know, you're an, you're an actor like Richard Gurr. I don't yeah. know if you, yeah. I'm sure you remember him. He said one thing about standing up for Tibetans, gone. Um, what was that movie? Um, Top Gun. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. He had a, like a Taiwanese flag. Made on. him take that. Exactly. Yeah, made him take that. Look patch what happened on. to John Cena. Yeah. He called Taiwan a China, uh, Taiwan a, a country and China put so much pressure on him. He had to came out and publicly apologize in Mandarin, perfect Mandarin. So I was like, God, like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. We keep talking about our freedom in this country, but are we really free? Yeah. You know, no. so we're not. Well, we're held captive by the the economy that's so connected yeah. to China and the United States, and you don't have leaders who will stand up. And uh, how can people find you? How, what's the best way to find you? Um, Get connected to you. Well, I mean, my social media is at NS Freedom, Twitter, Instagram, um, on Facebook too. At uh, NS Freedom. So E N E S Freedom. Yes. Okay. At Very NS easy. Freedom. We'll have, that uh, I have a website actually. Have a website. It's uh, nsfreedom.com. Okay. You can go there and check out all the work that and we we have been doing about many countries, not only China and Turkey. But Do you have a foundation? Yes. Uh, okay. So I have a foundation called NS Cancer Freedom Foundation. Okay. And we have been working on a lot of the issues like that. And also we organize a lot of basketball camps around okay. the world. And I think if you want to have a better and brighter future, we have to educate our youth. Yeah. And not many players are going to take this route and try to teach kids about human rights and the freedom in, in America and how lucky and blessed we are to be in a country like this. So uh, it's important to stand up for it. Wow. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. Course, man. It's been great. Thank Look forward you. to being with you tonight at China Aid. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's just thanks for being able to just share stories. You know, the fun, that's part of your life. I mean, it was yeah. part of your life and great memories. And um, hope to see you again. And best to you and best of luck to you and the Lord's blessings to you. And so thank you. Thanks so much for this time. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.